Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan, after a beautiful weekend in Philly sports. The Sixers sweep the Nets. The Phils are almost back to 500. Jimmy Butler goes absolutely off yesterday. We'll talk about it all, and we have uh, Russ Joy coming on in about five minutes. But first, Kevin is in Florida gallivanting. I think he's campaigning for Ron DeSantis right now, but don't hold me against that. We'll ask him on uh, on next Tuesday when he comes back. Um, let's bring on one of my favorites, one of the people's favorites. I got a lot of good feedback last time he was on. Tim Riley, a contributor at Crossing Broadcast, or CrossingBroad.com, excuse me. Tim, one of the best things that uh, someone told me was you just absolutely destroying Reese Hoskins' uh, bat spike, one of the top seminal moments in Philadelphia sports history. There um, really were no gals with me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I feel <laughs> bad in a sense, but in another truer sense, I really don't care. <laughs> People forget Spencer Strider, slowest fastballs of of his career. I went back and checked. He threw, it was a 94 mile an hour cookie, and it cut. <laughs> it was a perfect pit. You know, like I, I was never a good hitter in baseball. I would I would have like stretches where I. I don't know. I would just be locked in for like two games and then go back to being terrible. And I'm sure when he saw that pitch, it was much like, you know, when I saw that pitch when I was 18, just <laughs> right there, my mine was actually middle out. I hit it into right field for my only home run in baseball. Um, I'm sure he felt much the same way. I mean, Reese Hoskins and I, yeah, we're, we're pretty much the same person. I mean, I, I feel like I can't comment on anything baseball related. For the rest of my life, I can't. I shouldn't even be allowed to be on a sports show because Ann San Filippo asked me to come play uh, softball uh, this weekend. Uh, we're getting ten run. I'm the second. I'm it one out guy on first, just trying to you know get the extend the game, get to the next inning. I take two looking and strike out and slow pitch softball. But I'm telling you, man, I met the dice K of Delco. It came right at my shoulder, came right across the chest hit the mat and I just I've never I and the funny thing is it's not even the worst uh memory moment of uh, of my career in slow pitch softball some of those guys really know how to spin it man I I haven't played in probably a decade but I remember this ball over my it was over my head drops down and umpire calls a strike I'm sure it was a strike like Jesus Christ it was over my freaking head you also don't know who you're dealing with back there at the umpire because everybody in Delco knows everybody so oh, I right. feel like me as a Monco guy, as a Philadelphia Fishtown guy, I'm coming. I'm I'm, I'm the uh, I'm the guy on the outside of the realm. No one wants to 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 give me any calls. I'm not getting any close ones in no. either or. But I think it was a little bit over the head and stuff. But what, what position was Ant played? Just out of curious. So he sticks you in left field, which bench. is total. He sat on the freaking bench the whole time. Because he he's one of those guys. He has a lot of criticisms, a lot of uh, things to say. But, you know, you don't see him out there with a glove himself shagging fly balls. That's what I, I – 100%. And one more thing before we get off the uh, softball topic, because I know that's what people came to talk about, is striking out swinging in softball worse or striking out looking in softball worse? Mm, I think – I think looking is is not as bad because – I mean, swinging, you've committed. You should hit it. It's lobbed at you. Um, I feel like looking, because there are guys who are really good, you know, you could have one that looks – yeah, like it's going to hit you like you did and it breaks all of a sudden. I I mean, we're talking – I mean, I for me, I'm just going to go up and be a hacker because I don't want to strike out. There's the fear <laughs> of striking out, right? So I'm going to just 
if I'm at two strikes or whatever, I don't know how you, you guys did it. If you inherit a one-one count, oh, it's one-one. You always inherit yeah. a one-one. So um, when I get to two strikes, I'm hacking. It, it could be it'd have to be fifty feet over my head for me not to attempt to swing. Yeah, Just I was, trying, I was yeah. trying to show plate discipline. I mean, the last time I came up, I swung first pitch right back to the uh, pitcher. I'm out. I end the inning. So yeah, I was trying you're, to. You're show trying some to plate work to count, extend the game. I get it. Yeah. I mean, I get. It. It's kind of it's kind of messed up that ain't you know put you on blast like that. But well, you know that's the uh, trying to motivate you. That's his. That's way the cross I bear agreeing yeah. to come out at into uh, the random Marcus Hook refinery yeah. uh, field that I probably have. I can see him uh, having like a little John Tortorella in him too. Like, you know, (laughs) he just benches you the next game, invites you to come, but then sticks you on the bench. Undresses me in front of the team post game (laughs) to the, to the media, to the scrum, the, the, the Mercury times or the whatever. We're not going to get into it. That's between me and the player. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. All right. So, Hey, listen, there was a, uh, there was uh, a, a good weekend in Philly sports. You know, Sixers sweep. The Phils almost get back to 500. But we can't have nice things, Tim. That's because Joel Embiid is dealing with another knee injury. Um, I believe this is out of the last five playoff series. This is his fifth injury, uh, going all the way back to 2018, 2019. This one is an LCL, a lateral, lateral Ligament. It seems to be a grade one, grade two. Um, if it was a grade three, we could be talking about another torn uh, tendons in there. Uh, he will be wearing a knee brace, uh, but they do seem pretty optimistic that he'll play game one against Boston. How are we feeling, Tim? How do we match up against Boston? Obviously, they still have Atlanta today. Game five with spreads like minus 13. Deontay Murray's out. He hit a ref or touched a ref. Whatever. And, uh, and, and we'll be playing Saturday. How do you feel about the big fella and not being able to be healthy during the playoffs? I mean, I think you hit it on the head. It's deja vu all over again. We got yeah. WIP talking about the merits of drafting a running back from Texas. <laughs> Phillies are kind of slow out the gate in April. I know they won three in a row, but it was the Rockies. Come on. And then, uh, you know, beads hurt again in the playoffs. It, you know, you're right. We can't have nice things. I, uh, was annoyed when it happened, but um, I feel like the reports are uh, encouraging. They're all over the place. Play. I feel like I'm on the you complete know? opposite end. I feel like they're you all know? over the place. Yeah, that might be by design too. Like, why would you want anyone to know if he how healthy he's feeling? I just know he hasn't always shown the um, mental toughness. I'd say the mental toughness to overcome adversity all the time in the playoffs. I, I do. You know, he has battled through injuries especially in a regular season. But I feel like when the chips have been down in the postseason the last few years and he's had, you know, his face broken and, you know, he's dealt with knee issues galore, you know, it, it doesn't always – it seems like he can't always get through it um, mentally. And it's, it's a grind mentally. And I'm it's sure – and Yeah, 100% is like, a grind. Yeah. I'm sure he's more – he's probably more pissed than anybody who's a fan. He wants to be out there. He wants to dominate. He wants to play, um, and it's unfortunate that you know it was kind of a freak thing. I, um, I think the play didn't the play got hurt. He tried to like block a, a shot at Johnson so, layup, and he tripped oh, over. Yeah, that's where he, he basically stink faced uh, Cam yeah. Johnson like Rikishi yeah. back in the WWE days. He he, he stink faced uh, Cam Johnson underneath the basket, came up hobbling. So there's this thing where like we all hear about it and everything that 
he falls so much because it protects against his foot. Because obviously, he had those two years where he uh, couldn't get on the court because of his foot and everything. But it feels like it does the complete opposite to his knee when he falls. Now that he's been dealing with more knee injuries, I don't think he's had really a foot injury, a major foot injury anyway, that I can remember from his first two seasons. So now I understand that he practices falling. The doctors told him to fall to negate his feet injuries. Now is falling actually hurting him in paces because there's a 700, pa- 700 foot or seven foot, excuse me, Jesus Christ, 300 pound man consistently falling when he doesn't need to fall. Yeah. And what does that mean for the future? Is that the bad thing right now? And I want to bring on Rush Joy for this as well, who is um, fashionably late. Um, but I know you have you have things to do, you know, making us money, paying our salaries. You know, we wouldn't be able to do this without you, Russ. So we appreciate Russ from uh, Snow the Goalie coming on and everything. Russ. Nicest thing you've ever said. I know. Is, uh, is, is Embiid falling actually bad when it was supposed to be good? 610-632, Russ Joy from Pottstown. You're on the line. You know, the, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing that everybody has to understand. It's the same shit every year. Every Uh-oh. year. Uh-oh. Every year. No, I mean, like, listen, it, it's the same thing every year, right? Like, we cannot go – death taxes and Joel Embiid getting hurt in the playoffs Uh-oh. and leaving a question of what could have happened or what could have been. It's just – it's exhausting. It genuinely is exhausting. It's like every, every time you feel like you're about to round the corner. And now, listen, the craziest part is Joel got hurt – before the Boston series even starts, which means not only we're we going to get Joel maybe coming back late, but then we know that by like game five, he's going to have the random stomach virus. It's going to like cost him a game. They have pull him out of it. Gastroenteritis every year. Thing it's happened every year. JJ Redick left. Gastroenteritis has not been a thing. Russ, stop this. Fake news. Listen, him falling like it's great if his doctor sold him to fall. Like you know, more power to him. It doesn't matter. I mean, the guy, the guy is a stud. He's a great player. I don't know if he has the winning DNA, but like he just, you, you just, you know what you're going to get with him. You know that he's going to be reliably unreliable and you have to hope that you can maximize his minutes and, and that the team can pick up the slack like they did to finish off the sweep. And I, will they be able to against Boston? I don't know, but maybe why not? Kyle, I just want to jump just, not to go ahead, but also just to put this in the context as well. Like we're watching a guy who moves like a point guard or moves like a two guard. You know, the the stress that he probably puts on his knees year in and year out. Um, I mean, I'm I'm surprised that you know those ligaments haven't snapped like a twig yet. Um, you know, it's probably just a matter of time before he has, starts having those really yeah, debilitating so. injuries that keep him out. You know, for substantial lengths of time. I mean, we're at – we have to be, you know, close to the end of his prime, and this is a chance to strike. And I know we got Jimmy Butler on the horizon here to talk about. So I wanted to uh, – I want to answer this, and I need to – Let's want to talk about – I'm going to upset some people when I say this, but I know there are conversations going on in group chats. I know there's probably potentially some closed-door conversations that might happen – in the Sixers front office this summer. Joel Embiid is hurt again. Let's say he has an okay series. They lose in five. Maybe they lose in six, four, two. We're not like, hey, Boston's got, it's, again, Boston's got our number. 
Are there some backroom conversations in Camden, New Jersey between Josh Harris and Daryl Moore because Doc Rivers is fired? I just want to know. Hey, do we call around? Can we see what we can get for the big fella? Do do does somebody make that call? Is there like a super secret Keith Pompey article around July 17th? You're sitting in Wildwood. You're sitting in Ocean City. You're sitting on Sea Isles Beach. And you're like, holy shit, reports saying that the Sixers have made a call. What do we think? Russ, you're shaking your head now. I started this show six years ago with Kyle Scott and Adam Lefko, and this might be the dumbest fucking question that's come up in six years. It, but it's a question. That's, what, that's what it is. First it's the dumbest all, question that's come up in six years. There because is you don't, no shot. This is yeah. the dumbest question in six years on this it, it might be. It might be one of the dumbest. Here, I'll, no. I'll hedge it. It's one of the dumbest. Because no. I think you don't have – You don't have – This Simmons isn't – Hold on. Me, you asked me a question. You asked probably me a question. An, uh, is Ben Simmons the next LeBron question on here in six years? So now I want to uh, – But see, when that question came up, what, before Ben had a full mental breakdown, okay, there was a question of – do you consider which guy do you build around? Do you build around Joel Embiid as the guy and hope that he can stay healthy, even though he showed a propensity to not be able to do so? Or do you build around Ben Simmons as a Giannis light, very light, but a, a Giannis light and surround him with four shooters and see what that spread offense looks like? That was a legitimate question at the time, right? That um, we're looking at what, three years ago, four years ago, when that was a legitimate question. And I will admit, when one of the worst Philadelphia sports takes I've ever had, I said at the time, that I would rather, if you could guarantee me Ben Simmons stays healthy and productive for 10 years, I would take Ben Simmons over Joel Embiid at that point because I was genuinely afraid that Joel was going to only have three years left, that like his back was going to give out, which is a legitimate concern, or that his foot would happen again. Totally possible. Um, and, and, and it ultimately ended up being a bad take, and like Ben's going to be out of the league. Um I don't I don't see I don't to answer your question, no, I don't think we're gonna get reports that the Sixers have made calls. I think if you're going to explore that trade market, it is going to be the quietest thing. It's gonna be one of those trades that comes out of absolutely nowhere. Because the second that word leaks out, you as the Philadelphia 76ers will have lit yourselves on fire in the court of public opinion. The only way that it works is if it's a quiet thing, it comes out after the fact that they had been having conversations for months or for a year. They'd constantly put it off, but the package they got was so undeniably valuable. I don't even know what it looks like. I don't know what that package looks like that Philly fans have to look at it and say, you know what? We get it. Like we love the guy. He's been a great player for us. Can't stay healthy. And it cost us another postseason round. Like that's the only way that it makes sense. I don't think it's going to happen, yeah. to be honest. And just to piggyback on Russell's point, when's the last time anything in the NBA happened in secret? I mean, Woj would have that story, you know, the minute the phone, the first ring on the phone, the phone is, uh, you know, the first first minute that Who, phone calls me, and he's going to be Because you're right, Twitter. because if if, if, if if that phone call is made, the, the, the phone call to whoever team it was made, I think they leaked that to Woj. Just there are so, so they many gossip. There are just so many gossip hounds in the NBA. I feel like it's the worst of the four, the big four in terms of like the gossip mill, even worse oh, than reality the NHL. Show. But that's what makes Let's, it awesome. It's a reality show. Oh, yeah. And listen, I, so here, so I asked, I asked the question for the sanctity of, of, of discussion. I don't think you do it. I was talking to my buddy the other day. We're both 30 years old. We counted it. We've probably had six good seasons, six seasons of competitive Sixers basketball 
in our two in our 30 years of living, which is insane. 2001, we we did. I was eight, so I remember it, but I don't remember it that fondly. And then probably the last five years, six seasons in 30 years. So I'm saying, hey, you ride the big fella. You ride that horse until you got to send him to the glue factory. Um, that's that's what I kind of feel. But I just in in, in terms of discussion, because I know if the Celtics series doesn't go well, we are going to go through either a WIP day, a nice little poll they're going to do. Would you trade Joel Embiid? So I'm just, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, shout out to me for getting in front of it before anybody else did. Well, so let me, let me hijack this really quick and I'll throw this one up on the screen. This is the thing. This is the thing that changes everything. So if you're listening in the podcast feed, not watching on YouTube, uh, Ford in the chat says Harden gone. That, that maybe changes the calculus on this because if Harden leaves, I don't know who you pursue in the offseason to fill that role. You know that down the line, you're going to have to extend Tyrese Maxey. There was that report from about a month ago that said that executives expect him to get a, a max contract. Um, you still have that massive albatross in Tobias Harris. So you, you're going to have to clear up a max salary spot. I'm not saying it needs to be Embiid. And you're probably going to have to replace him if you're going to with another high salary guy. I don't know what that looks like. Here's... Here's a, here's a, a maybe a, an equally interesting question. So Dame Lillard's name has come up. Uh, and Dame always talks about how he wants to win a title in Portland. He doesn't want to leave Portland. He believes in Brace the loyalty. The all, that, all that bullshit. He's never going to win there. Um, but he's at the Sixers-Nets game. What was it? Game three in Brooklyn. And the idea has been floated out that maybe the Sixers, instead of giving that max contract to Tyrese Maxey, maybe they figure out a way if Harden leaves in the offseason, they trade Maxey as part of a package for Dame Lillard. Now, that's the ultimate in, boy, you're pushing all those chips in on the next two years. Because outside of that, like you're, you're going to have to flip this whole thing again. Because your best young piece by far is Maxi, who you can almost make a case is like just on the periphery of being able to like level up to maybe not where Dame was at his prime, but certainly where Dame is now. Um, that's an interesting question. And does Joel Embiid push for something like that? If Harden leaves... Harden, you know, although he hasn't been like a 35 point scorer, he hasn't been that cold blooded James Harden. Like, there's a legitimate question like, who's going to score? Who's going to be that secondary scoring option for Joel Embiid? So, there you go. Yeah. I think the thing that oh, I there you go, two years ago. Yeah. Here's Russ, Here's uh, Craig just put up a tweet from Russ. If you want to maximize Embiid's realistic window, you have to trade whatever it takes to get Dame. I mean, whatever it takes. Embiid and Dame for the next three, and a half, three to five years is better than whatever you'll get. With status quo. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I understand. I know what trade ships they have. I'm trying to think about what picks they have. I know they sent half of them to Brooklyn. I don't think we have one until 2029, if I'm if I'm correct. Like 2029, it might be our first first round or we can. What was that? That was December of 2021. Right. So that was before the Ben Simmons trade. I think that was the the quite. Yeah. So June of 2021, that was before Simmons, I believe, had been traded. Correct. Am I crazy? Was he traded that long? It wasn't back in 2021 that he got traded, right? He got, he got traded in February of 2022. Of 22. So that yeah. was back when the question was, do you trade Ben as part of a package for Dame? Which at that point, you had to. But there you go. So three to five years, come forward two years. And it's like I said, you're trying to sell this out for the next two years. There we go. And another one that Craig put up from from Russ. If you're the Sixers, you make this trade 100 times out of 100 times. If Dame is who you know him to be, that pick will be 28 to 30, and the swaps won't matter. The trade that was being requested, sorry, we don't have the publication this was published in, but Damian Lillard for Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, a 2021 first, a 2022 first round pick swap, and a 2024 first round pick swap. Do you Two years think- ago when Dame was in his prime and before yes. we saw the step that Maxey took, 
just to be clear okay. for those who might be, you know, looking at it or listening to it, like two years ago, you would have traded because Dame was a top 10 player at that point. I don't actually yeah, know what he is right now. I don't think we have the horses for Dame, if I'm being completely honest. Timmy, I don't know if you, uh, you want to weigh in on this. I'm just trying to think like, so the Boston Celtics are in the way right now. I and mean, one thing that impresses me about their roster is how deep it is. Mm-hmm. You know, they have so many perimeter scores and, I think what the Sixers have done this year is they've tried to not just match it against the Celtics, but I think they've had the Celtics partially in mind by trying to bring in guys who can defend the perimeter. You know, they um, McDaniels brought in, they got House, they got Melton. Um, I just wonder if, you know, you go all in for another guy and you trade a piece like Maxi. you know, this, this roster all of a sudden becomes very top-heavy. I'm not sure if we could depend on the long-term health of Embiid. Frankly, you know, the, the ability for Lillard to play a full year and expect them to be better equipped to contend than they are right now, um, just because of the health component. Is is this so Philly that we have a series coming up in four days and we're talking about like the future of potentially trading Maxi and to get well, Damian We're already like, Sixers, kind of like the Sixers deserve it because they've never gotten past the hump. They <laughs> the haven't Celtics gotten past are, the second round hump. They're they playing the Celtics in four days. Hump. They have our number. We're already like waving the white flag a little bit. I mean, I think we actually compare to the Celtics a lot more than we've compared to in the uh in the past. I mean, you what Did they you t- watch they t- the, Watch a regular season series. The one thing that stuck out to me was when it was winning time, the Celtics execute. Sixers don't always execute in winning time. And until they do, they're going to be doubters. I'm going to be a doubter. Sixers also have a disadvantage at, at coach against just about any team they're going to run into from now until the end. You know, this is, this is the other problem, too, is like, I, I don't know why some people have been so slow to come around to it. I'm glad that so many people have. But like, this is the thing this entire city including every one of the major Philly sports teams, with the exception of the Eagles, have tried to go all in on an experienced coach who had previously won a title and like had only won one title. Or I think Girardi hit. Did Girardi win two with the Yankees? I think he maybe won two. He won one. Uh, uh, I think he won the it was only It was only one? Joe so, Torrey's team, too. Okay, so Girardi's team won one. Uh, Tortorella's team won one like two decades ago. And Doc Rivers, who I, I would say of all the coaches – Doc Rivers is the most overrated by far. He's had the most Hall of Fame talent to coach over the past two-plus decades and has one title to show for it. The man does not make adjustments. And if you go back and you listen, I don't know if you guys heard the clip, and I'm Kyle, I'm assuming that you wrote this up, about Jamal Crawford on a podcast with J.J. Redick where they talked about how Doc kind of like buried the Clippers not that long ago about how like he never thought they had a chance to win. And they're like, what the hell is this? Like, our coach didn't even believe in us. Like what, what are we doing? This it's the thing like doc is doc is a hindrance and you know, we can play the game of, you know, Joel likes doc or James Harden likes doc. I don't give a shit. Like give me a coach in here who can actually make adjustments and who can make their players better. There's no, there's nothing to this point to show that doc can do that. But the the irony is when he's shorthanded, he's probably better as a coach. Every time, every time Embiid's out, Harden's out. I mean, the team looks great when they're shorthanded. I don't know why. Um, it just you know the guy's a paradox. He just he doesn't make any sense. He really doesn't. I think Russ it is funny when you look at like the coaches that are that are in this in the Eastern Conference playoffs right now. I mean, Spolstra is up three one right now. Obviously, Jimmy Butler had the game of his life, but he's still up three one. 
You have Joe Mazzola, who's kind of just taken the reins and, and, and kept it going, whether you think Aime Aduka was a good coach or not, former Sixers assistant as well. Sam Cassell, would anyone be surprised if he goes off to somewhere as a high coaching candidate and actually like ends up uh, having a pretty successful tenure? I don't think anyone would be uh, would uh, would think that was crazy. And then, you know, you got Bud, obviously, uh, NBA title winning coach. He I don't know. I mean, he's also he's got one, he's of, the, a, he's a one of the greatest players of all time on his team. But, you know, still, they want a they want a title. So, you know, you got to kind of give it to him. Um, people thought Spolcher was a fraud, too, back in the day. We'll see. We'll let Coach Bud. Uh, oh, yeah. Spolcher. Remember Spolcher got all that heat. I mean, before they won that first title, there's always Pat Riley looming. Was Pat Riley going to come, come down from the front office and coach that team and Spolster also walked into a very good job with a lot of and did a great job of managing egos on a super, super team and then continued to have the support of his owner and to have the support of Pat Riley, whereas Bud coached in Atlanta where his team were failures it was one, every it was year. that number one seed. It was that. Uh, yeah, it was it was like no one number it. one. Yeah. And so like that Atlanta team. They had great regular seasons. They got to the postseason. They puked all over themselves. Like the, sometimes a team wins the title in spite of their coach. Like that—that that is a hundred percent what happened with Bud and and the Bucks. I mean, I just have to be honest about it. So I don't know. Like what? No, nah, it's not really a hot take. I'm just—I don't know. I mean, you guys just seem like I was actually pretty excited about Saturday, and now I'm pretty down. You know, I feel like I'm excited the, about uh, that. What, what's there not to be excited about? I don't know. It seems like we're already going four-two Celtics here. You too. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> listen, just, just, uh, I want them to win. I'm, I'm going to be watching the games, but I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to be hurt again, my man. I just don't want to be hurt. So I wear this skeptical armor. Big dog. Until your whole life win. has been hurt. I know. That's what it is. That's what it is. We're, we are a, a second, second place city. Our New York, our Washington, like, Boston is such, uh, Boston is such an overrated town. I mean, wow. people full of themselves, full of themselves. And they've they've gotten so much worse in the last 20 years when the Red Sox finally broke through. They won that World Series. All their teams are humming. They're so – what scares me is that if our, if our teams were like that, we'd probably be like that too. <laughs> oh, my God. So I'm kind of happy that. We'd be even worse than than Boston oh, fans. Yeah. We would never let people forget it. I mean, there are so many people who feed their families just off of Philadelphia playoff runs. Yeah. Whether they like us, whether they hate us, whether they want to call us mongrels, whether they want to call us the best fans in the world. There are so many people nationally who feed their families off of page views that they get from Philadelphia fans when we make a run in the playoffs. Um, you guys have anything else on this? You really just harsh my mellow. Well, listen, you, you know, if you're, if you're scared, get a dog. If you're afraid of having the conversation or you're afraid you're going to get your feelings hurt and don't, don't host a Philadelphia sports show, you know, no, but you got like, like, no, you no, gotta, I, you, you, feelings aren't you can, we can have, we can have two conversations at the same time. We can express optimism about what could happen, but we also have to like, at the same time, think about what this is going to do in the future. And the thing is that the Sixers have done nothing to this point to tell us or to show us in any meaningful way that they can win four games against the Celtics. Okay, so what if I tell you this is the best Philadelphia team we've had in the last five years and probably the greatest it's scoring not. threat? It's not. What? Who, who's, this, who's better? This, isn't, this isn't the best Sixers team in five you don't, years. You don't think this team is better than the Jimmy Butler team? No, the Jimmy no. Butler team. No, the Jimmy Butler team was a better team, without a doubt. With, that, with, with Greg Monroe off the bench? 
The one and you mean the one the one that had an actual killer, killer instinct, who was in fantastic shape, who you weren't worried was going to like rupture his Achilles every time down and Jimmy Butler. That guy, the one that had uh JJ Reddick on it, like an, an actual reliable shooter from deep, like one of the most feared three-point shooters in the past decade, that team. This is the a better one that also had like, team. Well, that doesn't I mean, sure. Yes, it does because yeah, because if if, if Harden's gonna well, play that, the way he played in the first round of the series. You're going to need a bigger scoring threat. I don't. I, I mean, I know defense is important in the playoffs, but I don't care about defense. I'm. I'm. I'm literally. I'm going the, for who, the who's Joel, the better scoring threat. The Joel and Jimmy team was a freak show bounce away from potentially winning a championship. All right, they had they had a clear path to it. They had a fluke shot go in after a huge travel. That by the way, if challenges had existed, that shot would not have counted. It would have been a travel. The shot never would have gotten off. So that that team was better. It was objectively better. It was a very I, weak East that year. You you line up against who you a, can line up is, against. Dude, this is a better depth team than it is. B-Ball Paul is better than any backup center that they had on the uh, on that team. It genuinely doesn't matter though because the we're talking about, go we're talking about like five. the team win. that you have with the competition they're going to run into in the postseason. Right? We can't like. <laughs> It's it's beyond revisionist to say, well, that team would have done so much worse this year, or this team would have done so much better five years ago. Like, no, that's not how this works. Because you you also don't then say, well, I don't know what would uh what would the 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 doc teams have done back in the day? How would they you know how would they fare these days? Like, oh, will Joel Embiid tear up teams in the seventies and the eighties? Like, it doesn't matter. Th- this team is not as good as the Jimmy Butler team. It's just not, that's and wrong. it's okay. It's wrong. It's not. It's it's, this is toe to toe, more depth, better scoring. You could argue better defense too. You got a you got a Joel Embiid who's five more years into his career, better than he was back then. You've got a thirty year old Jimmy Butler back then, trying to guard Tyrese Maxey or Tobias Harris. Even though we don't love Tobias Harris and Tobias Harris over me, mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler is not guarding Tobias Harris. I pro I I 100% am telling you right now. Didn't that team go on like an 18 game win streak to end the season, and they still had less wins in this team? Doesn't matter. Okay. All right. Cool. And a very weak East. Very 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 weak East. I do miss Jimmy Butler. Just for the record, I don't. I I love Jimmy Butler. Jimmy was also a mid a mid season pickup too, right? Like, am I crazy? No, you're right. Am I not drunk? Right? It's the morning. You're I'm I'm fine. Like that happened, and that that trade went down when I was on press row covering a Flyers game. And I was very disappointed because it was a big Flyers game and the Sixers took over the news cycle. Who cares? So what I'm saying is, it doesn't Jimmy matter. It doesn't matter how many my, wins they ended with. Was in, no, what doesn't matter? How many wins they had that year because they made the trade that fundamentally changed what that team was mid-season. So yeah, them winning 18. That would that'd be like saying, all right, Kyle, that'd be like um, uh, if Joel Embiid missed the first half of next season, right? And then he comes back at the end of the season and they go on a really big run and they finish, you know, he plays 31 games and they go 21 and 10, but they still finish with fewer wins than they did this year. But that team, for whatever reason, next year is built better and bead takes them. They go was, through a deeper run. And then you go, and then you come back and say, well, I don't know. I mean, are they any better than, than the other team? Because they had less wins than the 2022, uh, 23 Sixers did. Like, I gave you like about? four, other, I gave you like four other examples and you're cherry picking the one 18 wins, 18 win. Uh, I'm just saying uh, you, you brought it up. You I know up. you put you okay. So you cherry pick the one, you got that. But this team is a better scoring team. This team is a better defensive team. This team is a better deeper team. I love Jimmy this Butler team. would eat James Harden alive. Eat him alive. 
thirty year old James like right now or Jimmy Jimmy Butler right now would eat James Harden alive. Well, James Harden's not covering Jimmy Butler. I'm just saying, Jimmy That's Butler. Awesome. Great. Well, <laughs> if, if you're lining up these two teams across from each other, you're saying which team is better? Jimmy Butler from five years ago murders. I mean, murders in the middle of the street. James Harden right now. So if you want to line Ooh, the teams up and say it. which one's better, like there, you can go toe to toe. Tobias is Tobias. Tobias offsets Tobias. Whatever. Joel Tobias offsets Joel. You can make the argument that this Joel is better. Uh, because he's this more Joel is better than that Joel. Joel. Stop it. The difference though is fewer miles on the legs, and I'm pretty sure if we pull up video of Joel five years ago versus now, he's a little bit more fleet of foot. He doesn't look as plodding. I don't know what that means exactly. Um, JJ, it's funny JJ how you don't, you don't talk about JJ Reddick. JJ Reddick versus Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey would kill JJ Reddick. Kill JJ. Reddick. He would kill him. He would kill him off the dribble. And JJ would also make Maxey run a shit ton because JJ did a lot of what Ray Allen Good, did. He's like part, of, part of the game is you're running the guy around in offensive sets, right? Brett like Brown versus Doc Rivers. Death. Who wins that one? Which I don't know. I don't think it matters. Who wins that one? <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, does it? We lose. That's all yeah, I know. Yeah, nobody wins. The fans lose. That's what matters. Who was who was the four on that 2018 team? Was it Mike Scott? He didn't play the four, did he? Uh, Tobias was playing like the hybrid four, wasn't he? Was it? It was. Yeah. It was Butler, JJ, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Ben, Ben Simmons, Ben, Ben. Oh, ben. That's the year. Well, that's when they moved Ben into like the quasi dunker spot that he never really yeah. took to. And they started letting point Jimmy happen until Ben bitched. And then Ben was back. That, that was that lineup. Cause we have to and have I, Ben Simmons has to have the ball. He's not going to shoot it, but he's got to have the ball. But here, here's the other argument. Ben Simmons five years ago before all the head stuff, Ben Simmons five years ago is the second best defender on that team. Or you can even say between both teams, you can't like, I know it's easy now to totally disqualify everything he did, but Ben was like in legitimate contention to be defensive player of the year or to be a finalist for that. So you had that what? and the tenacity of Butler and the tenacity of Embiid. JJ was always the weak spot and Tobias was Tobias. Until the second lineup comes in and they just get murdered by B-Ball Paul. I, that's where I, that's where I think you are. And that's what it was against Toronto. The depth sure. pieces, the, the death pieces, the death pieces are what yeah. killed us. Greg Monroe killed us. Mike Scott killed us. So, all right. Enough revisionist history. Um, who do you want to get mad at the most, by the way, for the Jimmy Butler uh, sign-in trade? Josh Harris, Elton Brand, Tobias Harris himself, Ben Simmons? Just ben, Simmons just, ben Simmons just carried so much. Let's just give him a little bit more. I just he, blame him he for was, this, too. He was <laughs> trending last night. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's Elton. That, that whole thing is Elton Brand's fault. It's either Elton Brand's fault or whoever enabled Elton Brand to make that move in the first place for Tobias. Because it was just a compounding thing. So, Craig, while you're, like, digging up my old tweets, please find the one where I said about the cascading effect. Enough tweets from Russ. We, we see enough tweets Elton from Brand, Russ in the timeline. Elton Brand made the mistake of trading legitimate assets to get Tobias Harris. Then he made it worse by signing him to a max extension. And remember, I believe that the bird rights had been traded at that point. So the Sixers were the only team that could offer him the certain length of contract, right? It was just, it was just crazy, 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 crazy. Well, that's a different tweet, but that one's also true. They, they, it's, it's not just the acquisition. It was the decision to then extend him above market value when you could offer him the longest contract for the most money. And then they still did it. And it was clear that Tobias Harris was not going to be a legitimate max player. So it's, it's, it's brand or it's Harris or it's both. 
that that's a real issue. I mean, you could you could blame Ben if you want. I mean, you certainly can. He didn't want to give up the ball. He was, you know, kind of patted on the back and told everything was going to be okay and coddled by Brett Brown. So maybe you put blame there. I don't know. I don't know. I still want to blame Tobias Harris. I would have signed the contract. But you I know, mean, when Jimmy when no. Jimmy goes Tobias Harris over me, I mean, I don't know how you can blame Ben. I, I don't blame Tobias for signing. I well, no, I don't blame Tobias for signing that contract. I know people want to blame Ben, but I, I'm right there with you. I, I stumbled over my words, my bad. That Elton okay. Brand is probably my number one, my enemy number one. And then they extended him because, according to Josh Harris, he took a lot of the brunt of uh, of a lot of bullshit that uh, that I think Josh Harris was a part of in, in terms of like, hey, we got to coddle to our our star point guard that doesn't want to listen to anybody. But I don't know. Yeah, hindsight 2020. Who could have seen that coming? Yeah. I mean, um, I wrote I wrote about Ben Simmons when he left. I'm not, I'm not going to write about him ever again. I actually titled my column a final word on Ben Simmons. And <laughs> I went back and watched that documentary of him at LSU, uh, revealing stuff. That's all I'll say. You want to get it? You want to understand why Ben Simmons is the way he is? Watch that documentary and watch all the signs that you know. Frankly, somebody who uh, or an organization that prided, prided itself at the time on taking the longest view in the room. They should have seen that. They should have, you know, they should have um, either drafted someone else, traded out of the spot, or, you know, realized what they were getting into with him. Um, the guy, you know, had the mentality of a star, uh, but not the work ethic of one. That'll be the epitaph of his career. Is I that mean, because he got a point seven GPA? <laughs> Not the school it? so much as the uh, – because he made a good point about school. Oh, school you know, is like, stupid. You know, why did he have to go? Um, but he didn't really have to go. He could have played a year in Australia or something. Or, but the there was the, never like, – There's, there, there's so much revisionist history that goes on with Ben, though. Yeah. Ben like, was always going to be the number he, one. Pick. He was always going to be the number one. The only people who were saying Brandon Ingram were like people from the ringer and people who were like looking at what could happen. And if I remember correctly, so that was that was about six years ago. That was, I think that was one of the first debates we had we had on this show was like, was that the right way to go? And and the thought was if Ingram turns into Kevin Durant, which was like by far and above what his ceiling ceiling could possibly be, well then maybe you look back and you regret it. But like Ben was the guy. And, and like the, the documentary might've shown some things that were, you know, character flaws, but like, we also have to remember when he came out of college, he was supposed to be a negative defensive player. And he, he did everything in his power to turn into being a defensive player of the year candidate. It's not, I don't know whose fault it is that the wheels came off and that his, his, I mean, listen, the guy clearly went through a mental crisis. There were, there were plenty of things that happened. There were things like his sister, his, his biological sister accused their stepbrother of like sexual assault and they, and like that became a whole thing. And that happened around one of the playoff runs. And there was, and like, that was a whole other thing. And like, you wonder how much of the off court stuff just kind of screwed at the guy. Listen, you could be a talented player. You could be above and beyond. You could be an MVP candidate, a defensive player of the year candidate. When you have something like that going on at home, the sport doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you're making millions. It's impossible for you to forget about the accusations being made by members of your family against others or about like mental health issues with his sister and, and all that. I, I, I genuinely wonder, and I hope that someday he opens up about it. And I think like the only reason I want to give the guy any kind of grace is because I, I just, I can't imagine somebody's head, you know, getting out of it that quick. Something had to happen and had nothing to do with basketball is my thought. We'll find out someday. Well, 
I think just as a just as two counterpoint, and and I, I you know agree with a lot of what you're saying there, especially about extending grace in uh, issues of personal trauma. But before all that went down, the man just was no, was not interested in doing anything to improve his game. You know, he he was not willing to put in the effort to develop a three point shot, which frankly he needed to make himself to take that step from being Giannis late, as you called him, to more like Giannis, you know, um, to give himself the space then where a defender's going to come up and cover him and respect his shot so that he can do what he actually wanted to do, which was drive and dish or drive and dunk uh, and play the game he wanted to play. Um, the other thing I think I want to point out about general, I would like a manager or front office just defy conventional wisdom once in a while. You know, you'd mentioned like Ben was the guy, right? Because we were told Ben was the guy. That was the narrative. And that is the same thing with Bijan Robinson now. Just this hype train of Bijan, Bijan, Bijan. Most of these people, especially on WIP, you could count on one hand, number of Texas uh, Longhorns games they've watched in the last couple of years. They don't know who Bijan Robinson is any more than Billy from Philly knows who Bijan Robinson is. We fall in love with these guys and then we get upset when Howie does the smart thing and trades that pick for more draft assets or drafts that offensive lineman from uh, you know Northwestern or, or North Dakota State or wherever he goes to pluck these guys, and they just keep winning for five more years. So um, defy conventional wisdom, and you'll be a winner in sports. Well, it's funny, too. Like, there's a comment. I don't know if you guys see it, but the narrative is led by people who evaluate talent, the people who get paid to do it. And that, that, that's fair to some extent, except those people aren't always right. In fact, a lot of times, the draft evaluators are wrong more often than they're right because it's an impossible job to do. You can't, like, especially, I mean, if you want to look at the NFL, look at the sheer amount of teams you have to follow and the sheer amount of film that you would have to break down. It's impossible to get it right. Basketball is a little bit easier, right? Because there are fewer players coming out. There are fewer players in the draft. The, the cream sets itself apart from the rest it's easier to make an impact as a rookie or in your first two or three years in basketball than it is in football or than it is in hockey or than it is in baseball. Basketball has got the straightest path. And so like for the evaluator to look at it and say like, this guy's the number one consensus or like very likely number one consensus, like that's fine. Sometimes those people are wrong. I, I still, I don't know. I, I don't think anybody two years ago would have said they would have taken Brandon Ingram even in a redraft over what Ben Simmons was, even though he right. was unwilling to before to the Hawks series shot. Ben Simmons was still was still going number one. Um, what's what's the Flyers' uh, excuse then about With talent? What? About talent? Uh... Well, I mean, it's like it's almost it's almost a parallel story with Nolan Patrick. I don't want to get into it because like nobody cares. Yeah. But like, there you go. Like, there's there's one where the the talent the pundits said, this guy's number one, this guy's number one, this guy's number one. They were all wrong. All of them. They were all wrong. And even in the Flyers scouting department, it was not a consensus, and it was many people in the scouting room saying, do not take this guy. And Ron Hextall thought that he and, and Pryor had done a good job of evaluating defensive talent. They had a bunch of young defensemen in the pipeline. They passed on, you know, the Heiskanen's and the Makars of the world. And uh, they even passed on, you know, Pedersen, who wouldn't have made the number one pick. But that was on that little timeline. I mean, you look at it. You had Moniac, you had Wentz, you had Patrick, you had Fultz, you had Simmons, right? Like that should have been the golden generation. Like we should have been able to look back at this in the 2030s, the 2040s and said, holy shit, do you guys remember the end of the, the teens 
when we had all those top picks and the golden age of Philadelphia sports began. And like, in fairness, things have actually been pretty good overall, despite the fact that none of those guys are contributing in any meaningful way to any of these teams, which almost, I don't know, to an extent, kind of, you have to give credit to the front offices of each of these teams for somehow overcoming the absolute screw-ups that happen at the top of each of their drafts. Well, if you came here for a revisionist history of the 2016 uh, sports landscape, do we have the podcast for you today? Um, all right, let's get something over. Let's get into something more fun. Um, if you didn't see this tweet, GQ or I guess SMY uh, up in New York, GQ put out a top ten list of kings. Who is the king of New York sports? And that's right now. Number one went to Jalen Brunson, which is the is the most revisionist history I've ever seen. I would still say Aaron Judge at number two should be number one. Obviously, GQ didn't watch the Nets Sixer series of Mikael Bridges at number three. Saquon's playing on a on a franchise tag right now. He's at four. Volpe's a rookie. He's a shortstop. Obviously, he's going to be up there top five. Joyce Randall absolutely stinks. Has been a total non-factor in the series. He's six. Francisco Lindor. Pete Alonso's a dork. Igor Shashurkin at nine. He's the goalie of the Rangers. And then coming in at 10, the $82 million man, Daniel Jones. So we were, we, we literally probably from the moment we woke up today to right before this pod and our Slack chat have just been arguing about who the top 10 kings of Philadelphia sports are right now. So we each made our list and we're going to go. Russ or Tim, would you like to go first? First one to say something. I mean, I go first because I, I kind of did mine uh, as I was holding my daughter. She was trying to sleep. It was uh, a 10-second exercise. Any, don't make any excuses for your shitty list, Tim, all right? <laughs> Whether your daughter's in your hands or not. <laughs> so, if Craig, uh, I think my list up. is okay, one to nine, and then I just kind of – you'll see I put Carter Hart at 10, which was kind of a lark. I uh, felt bad. I had no flyers, but they're so irrelevant. Um I went with Hart, though, at 10 because I think it's funny that as the Flyers finally identify and find and develop a franchise goalie, the rest of the franchise utterly stinks. Um, you know, just perfect Flyers. Um, I also don't, didn't want John Tortorella to complain three years from now if and when the Flyers get good again that no one gave this franchise any respect. You know, I wanted, I wanted to make sure I had – one flyer on there so he could shut up and not be a sorehead when his team does eventually do do start does start winning again. So then Tim has Stott at nine, AJ Brown at eight, Harden at seven, Schwarbs at six, Maxi at five. Wow, the young buck gets top five. I love it. Kelsey at four, Embiid at three, Harper at two, Hertz at one. Yeah. Is there anything, Russ, you have when you look at that list immediately. I think uh, Tim copied my notes a little bit. Wow. So I'm we have... copy your notes. I didn't even look at. I know it's we we are of like mind. And considering that you're uh, better educated than I am, I, I take this as a, as a good sign because. All right, let's bring up Russ's uh, list then. Go ahead. So uh, I also had Hertz, Harper, Embiid, Kelsey. Ooh. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Uh, okay, then we have so, Brandon Graham so at five. Hurts Hurts leads because he's the most important position on the most important team in town. Sir, we will get Harper. into your list in a second. Can I okay. please let the people know what you have? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm Brandon sorry. Graham at five. Tyrese Maxey at six. Schwarbs at seven. AJ Brown at eight. 
Harden at nine. Very shocking to see that from you. I didn't think you were going to have Harden top 10. Trey Turner at 10. And then an honorable mention, Carter Hart, just to just to satisfy the masses of the snow. Yeah, the Bulls who might, be, uh, that's right. that's <laughs> might right. be listening right now. Um, what sticks out to me here? Does Brandon Graham, re- I know he cuts through the cloth. I think he's a top 10 guy. Is he a top five guy over Maxi, over A.J. Brown? You could argue over Schwarbs, even Trey Turner, the $330 million man. Tim, you can talk this after Russ uh, talks about his list. Yeah, The criteria, not the one that the maestro tried to establish because, um, you know, the maestro sold his his, uh, his website and he's mm-hmm. gone now. So his, uh, his no criteria say. are largely irrelevant in this discussion. Um, it says the kings of the city. And so the kings to me says the people who are most likely to be recognizable, the people who are most likely to be interacted with positively by the fan base, you can make the case have longevity. Hertz is an absolute stud. Mm-hmm. Not a single person in the city of Philadelphia would walk into a diner or a restaurant or a bar, see Jalen Hurts, and not want to take a picture. Mm-hmm. Right? Same thing with Bryce Harper. Same thing with Joel Embiid. You'd obviously notice Joel Embiid a lot because he's massive, right? Jason Kelsey, 100%, 100%. has arguably the best speech in the history of Super Bowl speeches. Brandon Graham is easily up there. Now, top 10 talent in the city? Absolutely not. Top 10 king of Philadelphia, without a doubt. Brandon Graham is one of the most positive role models in all of Philadelphia sports. He, The guy has a smile that lights up a room. He's a guy who got re-signed here, who came back off of you know a horrific injury to you know really try to push this team to another Super Bowl. Massively popular guy. He's absolutely a king. If, if you owned a restaurant and Brandon Graham walked in, Mm-hmm. Brandon Graham's not paying for that meal. He's just not. Oh, he's, he's paying not. for that meal. He's not. Absolutely. Off not. Stri- off, uh, has there no. been enough time since the strip sack that Brandon Graham now has to pay for a beer? So, uh, beer's different. A meal. Brandon Graham's going to State Forty Eight in Center City. Now, if we're talking like, if we're talking like some like Pottsville, you know, bed and breakfast. Yeah, just maybe Brandon Graham's not paying for that because you guys haven't seen you know f- famous people since I don't know the mm-hmm. the Pottsville Maroons were playing. If hey, in, good pull from you. That's, thank you. That's if, well done. The, I got the, through uh, 30 NFL pages of that book right. back in the day. Um, right. And I put it down because it was so fucking boring. Um, if if, if <sighs> Brandon Graham walks into a restaurant in, this, in Center City, I still think he pays for his meal. I don't think so. Maxi. Maxi is like the heir apparent to the smile that lights up the room and just brings constant positivity that you hear nothing negative about. So that's why they're coupled uh, together. Schwarber is a guy who like is loved in that locker room. Right, True. which I which we know about by listening to Crossed Up, the Phillies podcast on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network with Bob Wankel and Andy San Filippo. Schwarber, massively popular guy, good locker room guy, has like the thing, the Schwarbaum drink with Wawa, has like yep. fully, you know, Schwarber Fest, the the works. Massively popular guy, absolutely a king of Philadelphia. Um, who else do I have? Oh, there we go. Thank goodness. AJ Brown was my tough pick. Yeah. Because AJ Brown. Did a, he had a couple of tweets this offseason that I think rubbed people the wrong way, and then he kind of had to backtrack on. But just by virtue of what he was on the field for this team in his first year and the confidence that he kind of provided to Jalen Hurts, he's easily on there. James Harden is on there because James Harden walks into a room, he's got gravity to him, without a doubt. He's got star power. 
star potential. You're going to want to, you're going to want to have a beer with James Harden. You might have to go through a velvet rope or two. You might have to, you know, tell your wife that but, you're at Delilah's for the steak special, but see, like that tells me can, that he's not, he's not a king of Philadelphia. That's not a king of Philadelphia what? in my mind to go through what? a velvet rope and go have some glass of champagne with, with James Harden. James Harden is not drinking Michelob Ultra. He's not drinking Peroni. He's drinking champagne or he's drinking his new red wine. I don't think he's a king of Philadelphia. I don't think, don't think he he's a yingling flight kind of guy. He doesn't move the needle, I yeah. think, in my mind anyway. I think I think people would just be just as happy with James Harden leaving the city of Philadelphia as they would if he resigned. Wow, that's 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 a hot take. And then the last one's Trey Turner. Who doesn't Turner doesn't have the same kind of longevity, but I'm kind of basing this on what he is now and what he's going to end up being. Turner's just he he's got something that's about slow. him. Stott was hard. Stott Stott was hard because I could have I could have justified putting Stott in the top ten, but I don't think the the I don't think the talent's there yet. I think I think Stott's in the twelve to fifteen range. What the talent's not there yet? I mean, this guy. Have you watched like over over an extended and over an extended period of time? Like he doesn't have the next Well, I don't know. I kind of viewed it. And then this is obviously an object. The 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 why there's debate, right? I I kind of viewed it as you know, what's now, not necessarily what's next or over a time mm. frame. I just think the way Stott's playing right now and, and um, the way he frankly was playing last year. I mean, I told you, I gave him credit. I gave, I give him the credit for the bat spike moment because he was the one who battled and really, and really True. wore Strider down in that inning. Um, that spike frankly, doesn't happen without uh, Bryson Stott. And he, when he changed his approach at the plate and shortened his stride, he became a, a much better hitter. And I mean, the divot we're, we're reaping the rewards this year. He's, he, he has, was, track, he was hitting well over 300. I don't know if he's uh, cooled down from that, but I mean, every time I've, I mean, every time I seem to watch a game, he's got one or two hits in a box score, great approach at the plate. And you keep hitting in Philly. You're going to be very popular with people like my dad who, you know, they love, I mean, my dad, he's one of those fans who just like loves to root for failure. You know, there's a lot of cynical baseball fans around here do. <laughs> and he really starts giving him nothing to complain You're, about. And I think that's what really makes him upset. Is that what we're, are we weighing? We're weighing Northeast dads. I think yeah, that's like, not a bad. But, here's, but that's the thing, though, is like you're saying about not not weighing in the future. And like, but that's a big part of it with Stott. Like when we say Kings of Philly, right, everybody who's on my list and, and Tim, I would even say with your list, everybody who's on that list. If you went to a bar, you went to a restaurant, you're going to recognize each of those guys. Even the football players who traditionally, you know, you do the, or do they have star power? Because they're wearing a helmet all the time. If, if, if Stott walked into a bar, if Stott walked into a restaurant, despite how good he is, despite how well he's played, I don't think you're getting nearly you're the same. You're a man, Russ. Same, How about the I don't women think of getting, Philadelphia? The women of Philadelphia Bohm. may recognize They'd him. They'd be looking for Boom over Stott in the first place, right? Boom is Boom is one that if you're if you're if you're listening to this right now, go to Crossing Broad on Twitter and uh, vote in our poll because uh, Lane Johnson versus Alec Boom, who moves the needle more? That was a big contentious debate. Lane Johnson is absolutely kicking the shit out of Alec Boom, eighty twenty right now. But you know, actually, obviously, our uh, our social media followers might be more Eagles fans than Phillies fans. Who knows? But I think it's a pretty good poll. The people have talked eighty twenty right now. Lane Johnson, Alec Boom, go help out uh, that poll. Here's wow. my list. Let me the uh, let me let's get to my list. You guys got your time. This is my time now. Yeah, and ours were ours were very similar, so I kind of want to see what you have. All right, Craiger, Kyle's King of Philly Sports, Bryce Harper number one, Jalen Hurts number two, Joel Embiid number three, 
Jason Kelsey, number four, Brandon Graham, five, Trey Turner, six, AJ Brown, seven, Maxi, eight, Jimmy Butler, nine, B ball, Paul, 10. Jimmy Butler. Absolutely. This is just going for reaction. Jimmy I mean, Butler it's... is number nine right now. Did you not see the reaction? We've got more reaction from Jimmy Butler going off last night than we got from Tyrese Maxey the entire playoffs. King of Philly sports. He doesn't play a Philly sport. He's not on a Philly sports. He's literally America. the king of Philly sports. He's the king of the That's radio not. right now. He's knocked off That's B. John Robinson for the number one spot today. He's a get he this is my list. He gets a king of Philly sports. The fact you guys we're talking about right now, who was the most talked about guys in that Nets Sixer series? Joel Embiid, James Harden, B Ball Paul. B Ball Paul had B Ball Paul MVP chance at the Wells Fargo Center. And you guys aren't going to put him top 10. The greatest backup center we've had in the last 10 years. 911. What's the emergency? Two girls fighting over me. What's the emergency? The ugly one winning. We're not going to put B-Ball Paul top 10. B-Ball Paul at 12 years old would have been top 10 Philly sports kings. I thought you were going to make this list in good faith and you clearly have Oh, haven't. fuck you. No, that's bullshit because if Jalen Brunson is number one right now in New York, there's no reason why B-Ball Paul shouldn't be number 10. I, this is ridiculous. That's so theory. stupid. You know how stupid that argument no, is. No, what are you that talking is, about? That Jaylen is an Brunson, absolute, like, what the hell is Jalen Brunson a month ago. Everybody was Mikael Bridges, Mikael Bridges, Mikael Bridges, Mikael Bridges. Jalen Brunson has a couple good playoff series. Now he's number one in no, New York. No, no, no. Number no, no, no. one in New York. Don't don't force me to try to become a Nova fan here to make this case. That's such Nova bullshit, fan. and you know it. Jalen Brunson was a highly pursued player in the offseason. Great player. The Dallas Mavericks missed in every conceivable way. No, his dad got a job at the, in on the Knicks. Same thing that happened at Temple. His, his dad got a job at Temple. He uh, got caught uh, assaulting a masseuse under the name Patrick Ewing, and then he got fired from Temple. So then Jalen Brunson goes to Villanova, wins the Player of the Year, and the rest is history. He did the same. They did the same thing in New York. New York gave him a job. Brunson, Brunson was they arguably no the second him. best player on the Dallas Mavericks last year. No Luka one's Doncic, debating this, Russ. What? Well, We're debating who I'm, the kings I'm, of New York are. Pointing out is, is Jalen Brunson because Jalen Brunson was brought in to take the next to the next level, and he did. He's actually yeah. led them to you know a pretty no a pretty darn good season. Bball Paul is a lovely story. Bball Paul is a lovely story. He's not he's not a starter. He's like a fun you know ancillary piece, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. We're talking about the number one in New York versus the number 10 in Philadelphia. You think B-Ball Paul not right now number 10? No. People would be like, I love B-Ball Paul. People love B-Ball Paul. B-Ball Paul does numbers right now. Does numbers right Apparently, now. Apparently, you know, Russ is like Doc. He doesn't want to have the B-Ball Paul victory tour. He's not yeah, going to have dude. it. He's not going to. I, I will, like B-Ball Paul, but like, I don't. I do. I, just to go to bat for... Um, Kyle a little bit here. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, it's a number 10 spot, so who cares? It's but, a number 10 spot. You know, you know I'm not be. even getting yelled at by Jimmy Butler. I'm getting yeah. yelled at by more B ball. Paul. I'm actually surprised Bryce Harper being number one. Didn't, didn't you, uh, didn't, uh, There's ruin you guys a little bit there. Bryce Harper could literally, I mean, his social numbers are insane. He could queef. I put up a video of it and it would do a thousands, a thousand clicks. Like it would do insane. 10,000 
you know, likes. It's it's insane how much Bryce Harper moves the needle right now. Um, our one through five was mostly similar. Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham. I don't know why I gave you shit about Brandon Graham. I didn't know I put him top five, I'll be honest with you. Trey Turner at number six, though. Trey Turner, that's, that's again. Fine. No, no. You you see, I, I I go off of like a lot of like social, what does well on social and stuff. I'll be like, and, and you know, we don't really put up like, oh my God, Trey Turner home run. I put up like a, a half-assed like Trey Turner home run. And it it did like ten thousand views, like no problem. It was kind of wild. I didn't know. I, I I personally did not know how much pull Trey Turner has, but I think people really, really, really love Trey Turner. AJ Brown. One thing I think we we did miss Slay. People love Slay. You could argue Slay should be in the top ten when he got cut. I think people that was I think the people love Mrs. Slay too. People, people love like Mrs. Slay too. You got like Mr. Slay. You have to remember no, too no, when, they're, when they're it looked like he, when it. When it looked like he was leaving, when they were going to part ways, a lot of Eagles fans had a lot of nasty shit to say about Darius Slay. A lot. Yeah, but a lot of people were and like, And then what he re-signed, the, and then it was a lot of deleted tweets, and a lot of people say, well, we never really said that he wasn't. His, I mean, I don't I don't agree. Well, I mean, I think the, Slay, the, Slay well, before this offseason, maybe. But well, those not, are the people who didn't win free giveaways or free tickets or free signed jerseys from Mrs. Slay. Yeah, I think, you know, the sports scene, it's obviously like a cacophonous, you know, you're going to hear what you want to hear. Um, and Slay's very good at hearing the negative. It's probably what makes him a good player. He fuels him. You know, it's, right. I mean, he's got the grudge against Matt Patricia, which I hope he continues because Matt Patricia is a total dork. Anyone who sticks a pencil in his ear like that with a laminated play sheet, he can't mark the play sheet with a pencil. The pencil's there just for decoration. It's ridiculous. The man's a rocket scientist, like uh, truly a rocket scientist. He's he trained for that. And instead he's whiling his days away, pretending to be a defensive genius. The guy couldn't find his head from his ass defensively in that Super Bowl. Nick Foles pantsed him, should have been the end of his career as a football coach. He should have gone right to NASA right after that game. He's wasting himself. And now he's here. He's here, right? He's a defensive assistant. Yeah, here. special defensive assistant. Um, Russ, I got a question for you. If it's not Carter Hart, if I got to take Carter Hart away from you, who's the next favorite flyer? I don't know. That Brovy? I'm not listen, I'm not trying to stop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he speaks he speaks for one side of the fan base. Sure he does. says what he believes, he believes what he yeah. says. Yeah. Um so that that honestly is a hard question. That's a hard one to answer because um, you can make the case Konechny. Konechny's a, a relatable guy. Um, Lawton. Lawton's a really liked guy. Lawton's the one who a lot of people, like, picked up a lot of steam as being a potential captain this year. So a lot of people have kind of appreciated what he what he is, what he does, what he brings to the team. He's the only player to wear a, a letter on a sweater this year. So, like, maybe Lawton. I think that's it, though. Couturier, if Couturier were healthy, Couturier would be on the list, probably yeah. at the bottom. But he didn't. He didn't play this year, and he's he's had a bunch of you know serious medical issues over the last year. So it's not Ryan um, Ellis. That's funny. Nope. Um, does Connor Bedard belong on this list? Six one zero six three two. Actually, I'm sorry. That's, that's hilarious to think the fanatic would talk about it. By the way, just want to point out really quickly because you did the radio wars uh, post. I think right. You did you did that or did Kincaid we did the ratings? Did, yeah, who did that one? Was that you? Uh, Kev did the ratings. So I mean, just kind of worth pointing out here really quickly. Um, one of the stations in town is a disaster, like an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah. And the other one's not. Um, it is remarkable to me, remarkable to me, that the one station has 
allowed for some of the just horrific programming decisions to stand. I don't know what it's going to take before they actually make a change. A year? No, you can't. I mean, by that point, what's going to be left? You know, it's funny because you think about like the potential power vacuum. And like, I always, I always make the comparison, not because of why they exited their stations, but like Mike Missinelli and Bill O'Reilly to me were similar because of the way they treated their callers, the way that they would treat some of the people who were on the show, kind of condescending. They're smart guys, kind of condescending. And eventually it wore out its welcome. O'Reilly had other accusations that Missinelli did not, fine. But like, you look at it. Missinelli was a headache for the station. He goes away. He takes some sponsors with him. That show, there might be nice people who work on that show. And from all indications, there are some people on that show that people like to listen to. But that afternoon show is a goddamn disaster. That morning show, which was never considered to be a real threat, that ain't doing it either. And the, you know who actually is the MVP of that station right now? Can't believe I'm going to say it. It's the cuz. It's the cuz. I will tell you what, yeah. I actually, I have gained a new level of respect in the last oh, year or so for Anthony Gargano that I had not had uh, previously. Because the hardest thing to do when you're doing a show is to try to build an audience when you have little to no lead in. And that's what he's got right now. When you look at those ratings, the fact that he can even be competitive, and it wasn't really particularly competitive, but the fact that he can be as close to competitive as it gets in his time slot, given there's really no lead in, and what comes after him is not good. Not good. Yeah. Uh, maybe a it's couple of those people are, but one certainly is trying the power trip and we'll see how long it lasts, uh, you know, before they make a change there. Yeah. It's an interesting, uh, wild, wild. Russ doesn't like naming names. I want to name one name on the Fanatic I like, and that's Devon Givens addition to the cause. I like, yeah, Devon I don't know what, what's going on with Devon. Like, does, does he not want the slot? Because like every time we write something about radio wars, it's like, why is Devon not there? Or it's Devon and the cuz is all I listen to, yep. blah, blah, blah. So if maybe Devon doesn't want it, I don't know. But like people like love Devon. I catch myself listening to Devon longer than anyone else and stuff. So like, yeah, I mean, we'll see. But uh, does, we got to do one more. Does anybody complain about Devon? No, like legitimately. No. When when you look at it, every station has people that people complain about. And like, yeah. and, and like you can like somebody, dislike them, respect them, whatever, right? People don't like some people don't like that Julio has so many hot takes, but you have to respect like what he does. He right? backs like, up his takes. Successful. Like, I, I, he's successful, like, he's good. I yeah. I I actually I, I've grown in the last couple of years to like what Julio does a lot. Um, you look at like Marx has been consistent. The guy has been a uh, staple for two decades in Philly sports radio. Ike Reese has gotten better. I, I initially didn't like Ike Reese all that much. Ike Reese has, has done significantly better. I'm not totally sure about their new morning show, but whatever. Devon is a good host with a positive review from the listening public. And yet he continues to get passed over for job after job after job. And I, I want to imagine that he wants to grow his role. And I continue to sit and say, what the hell is Beasley Media doing by not letting this guy have a bigger role? Like what, what, what Tim, are we did doing? you know? Did you know Devon signed a new agent? Did I know? I yeah, Rush Joy. It's Rush Potswell. Oh. It's Rush Joy. Yeah. Nice. You know, I was, thinking, Russ, I was thinking, Russ, I was thinking like um, you mentioned Gilio, and, and obviously I don't know the contracts. That's obviously a big part of this. But when uh, the Fanatic announced that they had let go Miss and Ellie, and I wasn't aware of the fact that they had pretty much had the next show locked in when they 
dismissed him unceremoniously, frankly. Um, and his successor was basically the successor was sitting right there next to him, next to which was really, really interesting <laughs> television because it's on TV too. At two, um, Tyrone. I was thinking, like, isn't like Joe Gillia would be an ideal drive time host? He's very good at generating conversation. Like he said, he, he is he can be a bit of a hot take artist, but you know that's part of the medium. You need to get people interested in discussion and debate, and he's very good at um, generating conversation that isn't uh, isn't like the conventional sports talk. He'll find like an interesting angle and get people to call in and maybe sound a little bit different than like the last six hours of programming. You know, if you're I don't listen to you know the radio straight through, but I'll, you know, maybe I'll be in my car at 10 a.m. Then I'm in my car again at three and it sounds like the same program. But with Gilio, I like how he um, changes it up just a little bit. Let me a little fresher. It's always, he would have been a great drive time, uh, a, a great afternoon drive host. I mean, uh, probably, you know, contractually probably wasn't going to be possible, but I don't know. I thought it's, man, it's always funny. Great. It's funny how so many people will complain about like the hot take art artistry that like he has or like that some of the hosts that were hired during the spike regime have. And then you look at the ratings, like you you have to understand why people go about approaching Philly Sports Radio the way that they do. It's successful. Like it WIP is mopping the floor. And that, by the way, I don't even want to get into this one. But if you look at the weekend lineup for these stations. I have, this is where I just kind of come back to like, there are times that I wonder if Beasley Media even knows they have a sports station in Philadelphia. I turn on the radio over the weekend and whose voice did I hear? D Lynham, who might be a really nice lady, but find me a hundred people in the city of Philadelphia who genuinely turn on their radio every weekend to listen to D Lynham. Are you saying D Lynham's on a top 10 king of Philly sports? Not a top 10 radio Philly sports. Very knowledgeable, knowledgeable lady, knowledgeable about basketball. But she, she to me, isn't, isn't, you know, if, if, if I'm lining up her against whatever Mac now has got, whichever co-host Mac now has, like it's Mac now, you know, I don't know. I, well, Mac now have also been running that show for, for, for years now, decades now, even in Sielski has put in, you know, Sielski has moved in right when, uh, when, when Didger left pretty well. Um, the crazy I don't thing know. is that you the, guys the are better fanatic, at this than I am. I don't listen. So the the fanatic had a very easy play that they could have made. They could have fixed a lot of the problems with their station. They had one move. They they didn't do it, apparently. Marks had, I think Kevin wrote this on the site. Marks's contract came up in the last, let's say, six or seven months. Okay. Just to make mm-hmm. sure I don't like break any kind of whatever well, Kincaid right. wrote. wrote this. Marks's contract came up. Figure 60 to 90 day window of non-compete. That's your guy. If you're the fanatic and you're actually trying to start your, you get your drive time show back, that's the guy. You do an interim host where Tyrone has the, does the thing that he's doing. Because if we're honest, the best show ever is Tyrone and a bunch of sidekicks. I don't think that's what they intended for that show to be, but that's what it sounds like. That's what it sounded like since day one. And if you listen to it, if you listen to it this afternoon, for whatever reason, it's Tyrone and a bunch of sidekicks because the most important thing you can do when you're a host and there are multiple hosts on a show is get yourself in and out, right? Somebody has to facilitate conversation. You have to, he doesn't, he hogs the conversation. I mean, I've done it on this show, so sorry, but like, that's what, that's what he does. He hogs and then he 
gives 20% of the time to Ricky Bowe and to, to Brody, and that's it. And if that's what Beasley wanted to do, and if that's what Ricky Bowe and Brody thought they were getting themselves into, then Godspeed. I'll eat my words. But that's what the show is. It's Tyrone and, and, and friends. They should rename that, the show. Russ, that's why Devon would be ideal because he's very good at facilitating conversation. Anytime he has like another person on with him or even with his callers, gives them, you know, a lot of latitude as long as, you know, they're coherent. Some of these callers are just totally, you know, ridiculous. But, um, you know, he's very good at that give and take. And um, I just want to shout out Ian in one of his comments uh, who respected the question mark, the best show ever. I feel like sometimes he gets lopped off. Good job by you, Ian, to remember the question mark um, because it really is a question, right? The best show ever? Hell no, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe they left the question mark there just to show that there was discord. Yeah. Right. When did we change it? Do we ever guy? get it to the exclamation point? No. 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 I want to know who like thought that up. Obviously a creative <laughs> team. They they have layers to. of approval. Multiple people said okay on that. Um, that had to be a Friday at 6.15 p.m. special where it's like, Tyrone wanted to get down to the shore. Ricky <laughs> Bo wanted to get down to the shore. Hunter wanted to get down to the shore. And people were just like, best show ever, question mark. And they just forgot that the question mark was in there. And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. You know that, I mean, that clip? That, that, hey, that, hey, look at us. That's what it is. Is this is this, is this is the best it, show ever? Dude, that promo makes me want to crawl out of my skin. They're still running it every now and again when you're watching a uh, – when you're watching a Sixers game or a Phillies game, they'll run the best show ever promo. Guys, is this the best show ever? Yeah, it's got the actor appeal of like a used car commercial. Yeah, it's bad. You know. It's cure. It's a cure auto insurance of sports radio. Um, is the best afternoon show the best? Shout out to Kyle Schwerber. Just got a cure auto insurance deal. I saw that the other day. Good for him. Yeah, who picked up the car shield uh, work from Matt Beerling? We'll have to we'll have to get back to you on that one. Before we go though, we do have to do one thing for Philly fan. He's always great here. He's always in the uh, the chat and everything. We have we do one. Well, we do typically three tankathon simulations, um, but we will do one if we get a good one. Um, so, Craig, if you could pull up the tankathon two twenty twenty three NHL draft simulation, zoom in a little bit, my man. None of us can read the fine the ten times New Roman. All right, here we are. Three, two. One. Seventh. All right, do another one. Second. Okay, we'll stop it. Philadelphia. Okay. No, he kept going. He kept going back down to seven. Back down to seven. So there you go, Craig. Thanks a lot. Philly fans, sorry, man. Craig's just, you know, producing on a whim, I guess. He just, you know, went rogue back there. But uh, so fine. Seven, two, and seven for the uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers. Um yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Not looking good. Not looking good for the old fly guys. Not looking good for one of those four generational talents that are supposed to be in this uh yeah. be in this draft. Thank just, God just, we won like seven of the last eight to uh to end the season. Before um, we go, I just want to thank you guys for not telling me to shut shut the baby up. Ah, the babies, the baby <laughs> ads. Great. No, like you great. know, remember that, that remember that viral video? Oh yeah, that's put right. that baby up. <laughs> baby, be quiet. Put some, put some handcuffs on you. Anymore? Put some handcuffs on that baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was an all timer. That is oh. that is one of the craziest, uh, people, craziest people. clips. Oh. Well, guys, I appreciate you helping me out here. 
Uh, obviously, Kevin's in Florida for the week and stuff, so maybe we'll have you on again on Thursday. We'll see. But uh, but thank you to Russ. Thank you to Tim. Thank you to Tim's baby. Thank you to you, the listeners. The comments. The comment section was 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 on fire today. I think That's Ford got some people jacked up. Ian Johnson got some people jacked up. Ford's always really good at lighting the comment section on fire. That's why we love him. I don't know if he's a 70-year-old man. I don't know if he's a 23-year-old <laughs> guy. I really don't. There's conflicting reports. Uh, but anyway, this is the show for today, and we will talk to you on Thursday. Have a good Tuesday.